Hey everybody, welcome to episode 253 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, recording in this week prior to Boston and Chicago coming up this weekend. Chicago, of course, is Sunday and Boston is on Monday. Talked a little bit about course tips for each of those races in my last episode, so check those out if you haven't already. Otherwise, today we're going to be talking about what's next in training. The good news is that these fall races seem to be going off without a hitch, at least the big ones so far, which is good news, but that's going to leave us in a place for the first time in 18 months of wondering what do I do next in training after a big race. And so one of the things I want to talk about today, or the thing I want to talk about today, is how to think about what's next in training. Where do you put your emphasis as you go from one of these fall races that might be coming up. Before we get there, I wanted to offer a little weather update for Chicago and Boston and give you my latest guidance on those two races based on the forecast as of today. This is Wednesday prior to those races. And fortunately, Boston weather has been trending in the right direction. Chicago has been trending in the wrong direction. Those forecasts may still evolve as the race as the races get closer, but I wanted to give you my latest thinking and then some thoughts on how to adjust if the forecasts change. First of all, looking at Chicago, again, unfortunately, that trend has not been in a positive direction. We went from looking at potentially low 60s at the start to now upper 60s at the start with potentially a high of 80 degrees and likely pretty good humidity on the day as well. So that is going to be rough. And fortunately, you will be trained. Most of you will be trained for those conditions, but these are conditions under which you need to make adjustments. And in this case, I would submit that you need to make fairly significant adjustments to your plan up until at least mile 21, where again, all bets are off after that. You can finish based on whatever you have left. But I'm recommending with a 67 or 68 degree start temperature for you to increase your target pace by 20 to 30 seconds per mile across the board. Typically what I recommend is 10 seconds per mile for every 5 degrees over 55. That's start time temperature. So if it's 60 degrees, that would increase your pace by 10 seconds per mile. 65 degrees, 20 seconds per mile and something between 65 and 70 degrees is going to be between 20 and 30 seconds per mile. Now, I know that's going to sound like a lot, but I promise you these conditions are not to be messed with. You can't, unfortunately, fight chemistry and physics, which will get in the way of your potential race if you stubbornly go out at your planned target pace. So I would make those adjustments and then... After 21, if everything's still good, pick it up and try to close well, and you never know what you might be able to get back. But unless you give yourself that opportunity to get to 21 feeling good in these conditions, it will come back to haunt you. So that's currently what I'm recommending for Chicago, for Boston, and specifically, you really have to look at the Hopkinton weather forecast, which is what I look at because that's where you're starting. Then, fortunately, the weather has shifted in the positive direction. It's still moving around a little bit, but it is shifting in the positive direction, currently showing a overnight low of 53 degrees 
in Hopkinton, likely a little north of that for the 9 to 11.30 a.m. start times. And so what you're going to want to do is look at that hourly forecast for Hopkinton, depending on when your start time falls and see what the temperature might be. If it is somewhere close to 55, then that leaves open leaves you open for consideration of staying at your target pace. But if it is six, closer to 60 degrees, again, I would make a 10, degree, 10 second per mile adjustment in that case. Otherwise, again, Boston's trending in the right direction seems to be looking pretty good. Hopefully that will hold. What I will probably do is wait until I can see that hourly forecast actually open up to the race start window on my weather.com app before I start considering what adjustments I might make. So we've still got a few days before you need to consider that, but those are some things to keep in mind. And if you're racing anywhere else in the country over the next couple of weeks, you can use that rule of thumb pretty reliably, which is add 10 seconds per mile for every five degrees over 55 at the start. So 60 degrees, 10 seconds, 65, 20 seconds, 70, 30 seconds, and so on. It's, it's a pretty good rule of thumb to make adjustments and still be able to keep things managed well in the tougher conditions. So there you go. That's what I'm recommending. I will be in Boston. If you happen to run into me, say hi, and hopefully... We'll all have a good experience with that weather trending in the right direction, but I'm excited to be back myself to real live in-person races like Boston and looking forward to the weekend. No matter what happens, no matter the conditions, please, please enjoy it, as I referenced at the end of my episode last week. Okay, let's get to my main topic today. Today, I want to talk about what's next. How do you think about what's next in training? And I'm going to approach this from less from the perspective of what race to do or what distance to necessarily go after, although I'll talk about that a little bit. But mainly I'm going to be talking about what's next in training in terms of how do you continue to find gains and how do you think about tweaking your training going into your next cycle in a way that's going to be productive for you so that you can continue to make those improvements from one training cycle to the next. So I'm going to talk about all the different ways you might tweak or change or upgrade your training as you progress into your next cycle and then talk about reasons why you might consider making that change yourself so that you can potentially navigate this journey and decide what's best, what's most optimal for you going forward. Before we get to that, and I've got seven different variables to consider there. I'm going to give you some some starting principles here. So we're going to first talk about four sort of starting principles, some overarching themes to think about when you're deciding how to tweak your training. And then I'm going to talk about seven different ways you can tweak your training going forward and how you might decide which of those ways to attack yourself. So here we go. Let's jump into these four starting principles, some overarching principles as we dig into thinking about what's next. The first one is... You have to make sure that you've properly processed your prior race and your prior training cycle before moving on to thinking about the next. This is absolutely critical regardless of whether it went well or maybe there were struggles or maybe the race didn't go as planned. 
regardless of the outcome, you still want to make sure you've properly digested the lessons and the feelings from that prior cycle, both in terms of what worked in training, but also what worked on race day and the reasons, if you can identify them for how things, why things went well and or why things may have gone not so well if that was the case. And as you think about this, it's important to do a couple of things. One, absolutely feel all the feels. You have to feel all the feels because if you can't or won't dig into the feelings associated with your race outcome, then you're going to have trouble moving on to the next. And so that means absolutely feeling and grieving the loss of a goal if you didn't get what you wanted. But it also means appropriately celebrating and leaning into the excitement about a victory where maybe things went the way you wanted to and you got the goal you wanted. So lean into both things. Some people like to talk about a 24-hour or 48-hour, 72-hour rule. I don't necessarily put a hard and fast deadline on processing these feelings. I would say three days is probably a good ballpark for the maximum amount of time you want to spend either grieving the loss of a race or a goal or potentially celebrating the victory of a race or a goal. But I'm not going to put a specific limit on that. I just want to make sure that you lean into those feelings, that you feel all the feels, and that you identify and name those feelings as you go. It's okay to be mad. It's It's okay to be frustrated. It's, of course, okay to be excited and elated about a positive outcome. But just feel those feelings as they come and make sure you you lean into them so that you can fully experience those feelings in order to be able to take steps forward. And then once you've done that, secondly, also look back and think about the training outcomes as well as the racing outcomes and what you can learn from each of those buckets. You don't want to overthink this. And so I don't think it's it's wise necessarily to be overly critical or overly analytical about this, but take the big lessons, write them down, acknowledge them, make sure they're well processed so that you can take the lessons and move on. Because that's a way to make sure that any outcome, good or bad, continues to have positive impact down the road. It's a way to turn, quote, failure into success by being able to take those lessons and not make the same mistakes in the future. So that's overarching point number one. Don't look ahead until you've appropriately dealt with what's behind you, both in terms of feeling those feelings as well as digesting the lessons of before. Number two, as you think about what's next, I want to make sure that you don't do too much. Don't change too much. Make smaller incremental changes with the long-term view in mind. I've seen this countless times and it comes both in situations where people didn't get their goals as well as in situations where they got their goals. It actually manifests in both situations equally from my experience, which is that people suddenly think they need to make big changes in order to to make that next big step forward. And so if, if nothing goes right, 
and they didn't get the outcome they wanted, they will often throw everything out and start over and think they have to overdo it in order to get a better outcome the next time. And when people have success, they tend to think, wow, if I've had that success doing this, if I only add these other three or four things, then I can have even more success. And so oftentimes people will overdo it in reaction to success as well. And then you'll see them spiral into a more difficult season after that. So regardless of what you do, and I'll talk about what incremental looks like as we go through the different variables, but make sure you're thinking about incremental change, small, small, marginal adjustments to your training that will allow you to, with a long-term view, ultimately have big impact. So that's number two, keep the changes incremental. Number three, when you're thinking about what to change, what to tweak, then you want to obviously have a good understanding of your weaknesses and your strengths because we want to work your weaknesses and we want to amplify your strengths through the incremental things that you're going to do. And again, I'll talk about this in the context of these variables, but you want to make sure that you're addressing both sides of the equation. Not necessarily at the same time. Potentially, you may choose to simply work a weakness in your next cycle of training. But either way, over time, you want to make sure you're working your weaknesses and amplifying your strengths and that you're not leaving yourself blind spots simply because you're not good at something or simply because you don't want to do a certain type of work. So lean into both sides of the equation over time, both working your weaknesses and amplifying your strengths. And then the last point here, which I've already alluded to, is this idea that you want to take a longer term view, which means you need to take your time with these incremental changes. Not only because it takes time for incremental changes to have impact, but also because your body needs the time to reset its system to recover from a big peak race and then appropriately build back again to a higher place. As I've mentioned many times on this podcast, you can only peak two or three times a year. And so you want to avoid the temptation coming off a good race or bad to just jump right in and go after another race right away. It doesn't mean you might not do a race, but in terms of having expectations about being able to hit another peak, then you want to make sure you have plenty of time between the last peak going into the next peak. And for marathons, that's typically at least five to six months of time. For half marathons, probably about the same. We could do a little quicker turnaround for 5Ks and 10Ks. But either way, you want to make sure you give yourself plenty of time leading up to that next peak. And I've seen this happen when somebody has a bad race, probably more so is, is they want to they want to they want to get that bad taste out of their mouth. So they sign up for another race a month later, two months later, three months later, so that they can try to get redemption from a bad outcome. Unfortunately, that often leads to another bad outcome because you're not able to properly recover from your prior peak and then properly rebuild for the next peak. So instead of doing that, take a long-term view, give yourself plenty of time to build to the next peak 
and then obviously think about the long-term view because that's what's going to give you the ability to reach your long-term potential is keeping that long-term view in mind. So there you go. Those are the four overarching principles to think about when you're thinking about what's next. One, digest what's behind you before you move forward. Two, think about incremental change. Don't do too much in the next cycle. Three, work your weaknesses, amplify your strengths. Thinking about Think about balancing both of those over time. And number four, take a long-term view of the work, not only for giving yourself the appropriate time for the next cycle, but also making sure that you're thinking about the future versus just the immediate need for redemption that you might be seeking. Okay, so with that in mind, let's talk about the seven, seven different ways, and there may be others, but I've sort of highlighted, I think, the key variables that I think about when I'm talking to an athlete, digesting a cycle, thinking about how we can tweak what's next and make some subtle changes. Typically, when you think about these seven variables and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, so there may be some overlap here, but you want to think that you're not going to actually lean into or change more than two of these. So typically, you're going to pick one, max two of these variables to lean into for your next cycle and not more than that. If you try to do more than that, that is a recipe for overdoing it and likely injury. So when you're thinking about picking from this menu of variables to consider, you want to think about choosing one or max two. And typically, that second variable is going to be more of a complementary variable. And I'll talk a little bit as we go about how some of these may dovetail together. So what are the variables or concepts One of them, the first, the simplest, is simply staying the course. Simply staying the course. So what does that mean? That means not changing anything. That means continuing on the trajectory that you're on and simply replicating that in the context of a new cycle. And sometimes when I suggest that, people think, what? You're crazy? Don't I need to change something? Well, not necessarily, because the deal is every cycle of consistent work builds on itself and is additive in a sense. It builds on your aerobic foundation that over time, if you keep putting those cycles together, will continue to pay off. So sometimes it's not actually about adding any new variables. It's about simply staying the course replicating the mileage that you've done previously, replicating the intensity that you've done previously, and just simply getting another cycle of that work under your belt and then seeing what happens from a racing perspective. Oftentimes, if you do that and you keep putting those types of cycles together, you'll continue to see progress because Every season of consistent work that you can put in is another season that adds to your aerobic foundation that's going to help make you faster. So consider staying the course. Now, why might you consider staying the course? You might consider staying the course if you felt like the work that you were doing in the prior cycle was putting you on the limit a little bit or perhaps put you over the limit. 
in a sense that you suffered from an injury during that cycle that may have been from perhaps training a little bit too much or too hard. And so maybe you've already found the limit in a sense based on what your body can currently handle. And it's just a matter of putting together another season like that so that you can actually adapt to that load and therefore see the benefits of that load. So if you felt like you're sort of teetering on the edge in the prior cycle or perhaps dealing with some injuries in the prior cycle, that would be a reason to stay the course and just simply try to maintain a better and more consistent rhythm at that same level of intensity and volume going forward. Another reason to potentially stay the course with volume intensity might be because some other outside variable has changed in your life. Maybe you've got a move coming, a job change coming, maybe a kid coming. Something else from an exterior stressor standpoint is changing in your life and maybe something with your training has to give. And so maybe in this case you say, no, I'm not going to lean further into my training. I'm going to stay the course, keep it the same so that when those external stressors get added in this cycle, it doesn't put you over the edge. And so that's another reason why you might choose to stay the course. But just remember the key point here, which is that even if you don't add a variable to the equation, you're still going to continue an upward trajectory in your journey. You will still continue to build your foundation and every cycle done consistently over time where you can maintain is another cycle in the bank where you're building this aerobic currency, so to speak, that will pay off at some point down the road. And so just doing another cycle at the same levels of intensity and volume is additive. Many of us think that it's not, that you're somehow stagnant in that scenario, but no, you are not stagnant. It's still additive and you can still reap the benefits of that if that's what your body needs. So that's variable or consideration number one. Maybe, maybe just maybe you should stay the course. Number two variable to consider would be changing your speed or distance focus. And this one is probably one that I would consider almost no matter what, almost no matter what. Because if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know I'm a big fan of mixing it up with your training cycles, making sure you're doing a variety of distances. Because if you're primarily a marathoner, then you absolutely need 5K work as well. Because the faster you can do a 5K, the faster you can ultimately do a marathon. Same thing for other distances. You need to be working a variety of distances in order to optimize your progress towards any distance. And so if you just finished a marathon cycle, I would highly consider a half marathon or speed cycle. Next, if you just finished a half marathon cycle, consider a speed cycle or a marathon cycle. So always think about changing the distance or the speed focus so that you can continue to work a variety of systems so that you can continue to work a variety of speed zones and ultimately so that you can be a better overall runner. And that's true regardless of where your strengths lie. I can tell you I am a better marathon runner than 5K runner. That is just where my natural strengths lie. I am more of an endurance athlete than I am a pure speed athlete. And so I'm always, always going to struggle and hate 5K and 10K 
training specifically. I love marathon training. I love leaning into the long runs. That's where I thrive. But in order for me to be my best marathon self, I absolutely have to work the speed as well. And the same is true for those that are 5K and 10K strength runners. Then you absolutely need to work the longer distance as well. So make sure you're creating variety with your cycles and not just going from the same distance to the same distance to the same distance because that is a recipe for stagnation. It's also a recipe for plateauing and not reaching your potential. So definitely consider changing the speed and distance focus. I think this one applies and is true for pretty much everybody across the board. And it's pretty rare that I'll recommend somebody do the same cycle again or the same distance again in the next cycle. And that's going to be an individual case-by-case basis. Sometimes I do it in a scenario where somebody needs to get a certain qualifying time within a certain window of time. That can be a reason to do it. Another reason might be if somebody just really needs a focus on volume building. And in that case, I might have them do a couple of marathon cycles in a row in order to really emphasize that part of the equation, maybe work on that weakness but it's very rare that I would recommend that approach. So almost across the board, I want you to change your speed and distance focus for your next cycle. Number three, variable number three to consider is adding volume to your weekly mileage. Adding volume to your weekly mileage. This obviously has to be done in an incremental way. You don't wanna make big jumps from cycle to cycle. And a general rule of thumb here is that I don't want to see you jumping by more than 20% from one cycle to the next in terms of the peak weekly volume. So if you did 40 miles before, then I don't want you going beyond about 48 miles for the next cycle at the peak. Again, I'm not talking about the week-to-week changes. I'm simply talking about your peak mileage for that cycle. So you want to build that in roughly no more than 20% increments. It might even be smaller than that. But somewhere between typically 5 to 10 miles is a reasonable amount to build from one cycle to the next if, of course, you're doing it in a gradual and smart way throughout that cycle as you go. But that's a variable to consider tweaking. And over time, you want to ultimately run as much volume as you can given your constraints around time and resources. That will ultimately help you optimize your potential because miles do matter. But you need to do it in a smart way and you need to do it in a way that keeps you healthy along the way. So consider adding volume, no more than 20% from your prior cycle's peak. And if you do add volume, then typically that's the only variable I want you to play with in this cycle because that enough is enough and it will ultimately put a tax on your neuromuscular system and you want to make sure you're not working too many things at once. And so if you do try to add volume, then that's something to be very cautious with and to then exclude the other variables I'm talking about on this podcast. And then the next question would be, who would that be appropriate for? It's going to be appropriate for those that are potentially aerobic toddlers who are younger in their aerobic development and looking to 
really maximize and optimize that aerobic fitness by building volume. For example, if you're an aspiring marathon runner or a marathon runner who isn't consistently holding 40 miles per week throughout the year, running more than 2,000 miles per year, then that's a sign that you need to build volume because the more volume you can do, ultimately the faster you'll run for that marathon that you might be targeting. So build volume in that scenario. This could also be for somebody who has been working the other variables perhaps that I'm going to talk about and haven't in a while potentially increased volume. And that would be potentially a time to consider this as a variable when it's been a while since you've adjusted your weekly mileage upward. So think about your weaknesses, think about where you are in the aerobic development spectrum and consider where you want to be in order to reach your potential and what that means for your total volume. And if that's a variable where you really need work, then lean into volume because it's going to be one of those variables that gives you a big, big bang for your buck. That's number three, adding volume. Number four, adding intensity. Adding intensity, which means upping the, the ante as it relates to your speed work. Upping the ante as it relates to your speed work. And if you do that, I would really consider keeping your volume the same because we can't really press on both of these variables at the same time. You want to try to avoid adding significant volume and adding intensity all at once. And then if you do add intensity, that can look like longer speed sessions. That could look like multiple speed sessions in a week. That could look like adding speed to your long runs, as I talked about a few episodes ago, so that you're incorporating pace work inside your long runs for the first time. That could look like amping up your paces, your target paces for your speed work by a big jump in intensity. And all of those things will add intensity, which will help you fine tune your engine so that you can ultimately go faster when it matters. Adding intensity, again, is something you want to do likely more on its own than combining with big volume increases. But if you do it, it likely comes at a time when you've optimized volume first or maybe reached a peak level of volume given your current life constraints or maybe reached a level of volume where you feel like you're teetering on the edge of what's possible given your time and resources. And in that case, then you can lean into the intensity side. Typically, I'm always going to prioritize volume over intensity. But once you've optimized the volume side of the equation, then intensity is the next step. Or after building a big jump or after taking a big jump in volume, then the next step in the next cycle might be working on intensity because you want to sequence those so that you're not necessarily always pressing on one of those variables. Work volume a bit, then come back and work intensity and vice versa. So that's where you might think about adding intensity to the equation is in times when you've already felt like you've optimized volume in the short term. Okay, now new, moving on to number five thing you might consider after your race is simply reestablishing base. You may in some ways take a step back 
from pushing on one of the variables like intensity or volume or changing your speed focus and simply saying, I need to reestablish my consistent running, my base running, get to a place where I'm injury free before I consider another cycle. This one actually combines pretty well potentially with my number six, which I'll get to in a second. But this is a situation where maybe you're raced out. Maybe you feel like you've been struggling with injury and can't quite get a hold on it. Maybe you had an outcome in the race that was not what you wanted and therefore motivation is tricky for you. And so you're really just looking to fall in love with the the activity of running again. And so maybe taking a cycle to just simply reestablish your base, you could potentially combine that with adding volume to the equation where you're less focused on speed and intensity and more just consistent running, consistent volume building, getting in those easy runs, perhaps complemented by strides and or light workouts. But mainly it's all about putting in the miles, establishing a foundation of the future without a specific goal in that cycle so that you can then go into another cycle with the right intensity and or with the right health. So that's the next thing to consider is just simply step taking a step back and reestablishing that base training. Then number six that dovetails well again here with number five is incorporating strength and or other ancillary work into your training in order to amp things up. So that means adding a strength routine that could be taking the strength routine you have and adding intensity to it by adding a heavy lifting program. But regardless, if you haven't been doing strength or if you decide to amp up your strength, then this is something that you must really do on its own in terms of tweaking these variables. Other than, of course, reestablishing base. That fits well here, but if you are going to add volume or add intensity from a running perspective, I do not want you tweaking and incorporating a different strength routine. You don't want to, again, mix too many of these variables at once. And strength is a tricky one because oftentimes we think it'll be easier to add or much quicker to add than it typically is. In my opinion, it takes at least three months to establish a consistent strength routine in a way that won't impact your day-to-day training. And so you want to make sure that You're giving yourself plenty of time to incorporate this type of work into your training without doing too many other things at once. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be training for a race simultaneously adding this variable, but I just want to make sure that you're conscious that if you add this variable, you probably shouldn't be adding another variable to the equation. And so who might this apply to? This could apply to somebody who feels like maybe they've already gotten the most out of their intensity and volume increases. This could apply to somebody who feels like maybe injury is a consistent struggle because that's a reason why you might need to incorporate strength is to stay healthy, stay injury free. This could apply to someone who might be struggling with staying power in races to where maybe the late race fatigue is overcoming you in a way that causes you to fall off later in races and a good strength program could help you address and deal with that. 
So those are variables under which this might apply. This would also apply to anybody who has never incorporated strength at all in their training. You're always going to get a benefit from it regardless of where it is or when it fits. And so maybe it's time for you to think about adding that variable as you go into your next cycle so that you can ultimately achieve your long-term potential. That's number six. Number seven, which may also combine, which may actually combine with one of the other variables is doubling down on recovery slash staying healthy. And so instead of pressing on volume, intensity, adding a strength program, maybe it's simply about saying, I need to double down on recovery, which could look like a variety of things depending on who you are. It could look like really slowing down on your easy runs. It could look like properly incorporating a foam rolling routine. It could look like really leaning into your sleep so that you become better about getting more sleep hours or more sleep quality. And I think it's important to realize that this variable is one that requires focus, takes time. It's not easy to just say, I need to be better about these things and have it happen. It takes concerted work, concerted effort, time to carve out and actually build it in and incorporate it into your routine in a way that's sustainable. And so if you're going, if you're going to lean into this variable, then I would actually, even though it does dovetail with some of the other variables, I would actually encourage you to consider it as a standalone, consider it as a standalone variable where you just simply for a cycle, lean into recovery modalities in a way that's going to help you ultimately recover better, stay healthy longer, and of course, then achieve your potential. And when you do that, I want to make sure that you do it in a way that isn't overwhelming. You want to make sure that you're choosing your battles, so to speak. We can't do it all, just like we can't do all the volume and all the intensity. We can't do all the recovery either. So we have to pick the modalities that we think will work best best for us. And I would submit that it's probably not more than two or three variables that you can sustainably add into your routine in this category. And so as you think about it, also think about what are the couple of things you want to really be better about. If it's foam rolling and sleep, perfect. Stick with that. If it's other ancillary work and massage, perfect. Stick with those variables. Just pick the variables that you think are going to be sustainable so that you can actually have success incorporating them, doing them, and ultimately working in working into a routine that just becomes a part of how you do business as an athlete. So that's variable number seven. It could be about doubling down on recovery so that you can stay healthy for future cycles. And that's it. Those are the seven variables. Again, there may be others, but those are the primary ones that I think about when I'm talking to an athlete about what we can do in the next cycle to continue to improve, continue to be better. I would consider you to think about those variables in the context of your own training and pick and choose the one or max two of those that you think you need to take that next step forward and then stop there 
confine your aspirations at that level, translate that into what it looks like specifically for your training, and then go do it. Don't be greedy. Don't do too much. Think long term. And of course, make sure you've incorporated the lessons from prior cycles when doing so. If you do all those things and then lean into one or two of these variables for your next cycle, then I promise you, you will continue to build. And then after that cycle, repeat the process and keep iterating. Okay, there you go. That's what I would think about as you continue forward into the next cycle. Again, good luck to everyone racing this weekend and beyond. I hope you crush your goals and that everything goes perfectly out there. And then you can use this episode to think about what's next. With that, I'll wrap this one. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. We'll talk to you soon.